This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network. Available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? Today, we want to talk about how to be that creative catalyst. And here's what I like about this topic, because the the, um, the book, The Creative Catalyst, How to Do Better Marketing by Asking Better Questions, definitely worth uh, checking out the, the topic in general. And here's what I'm seeing happening all the time. People just take orders. You want a trifle brochure? Sure, I'll get you a trifold brochure. I don't care if nobody reads trifold brochures anymore. Why in the world do we need a trifold brochure? And I'll give you a quick shout out. A quick shout out here to Dave Carruthers, CEO at Vox Pop Me, where I work as director of content strategy. And Dave said to me one day, we need to solve this one specific content problem. He didn't say we need a blog post. He didn't say we need a brochure. He didn't say we need a downloadable paper. And I said, okay, what are we trying to accomplish? And basically we, we, we solved the problem that we're trying to solve and didn't just create stuff because that's what came top of mind. Okay. Enough of my stories. Let's get the author of the creative catalyst on the show here, Matt Seltzer. He's joining me. Um, I'm getting him out of the green room here. Matt, how are you doing? Excellent. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, and I'm glad we're doing a live stream and not working on a trifold brochure together. <laughs> I got to say, I mean, you, you said you want to switch to my story. I liked your story a lot. I was I was uh, digging on that. That's you know that's exciting to see when 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 people get it how to work um, on on creative projects. So um, you yeah. know your book very interesting because um, there is a lot of people who don't want questions. They just no. want to say, "Let's do this. Let's do that." and go. But I found you have to ask questions and you have to make it collaborative. So why, I mean, am I just dreaming that or, 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 or is that happening? No, it was so a one that's been my experience in marketing. Um, my whole background, I've, I've worked in agencies, done both account side as well as research side. And when you're on the account side, especially it's let's just go. And I'll tell you the biggest thing. And I found this a lot in, uh, in a lot of teams that just don't have a research team, for instance, or, or just aren't, asking questions, it's because they're experts in something. And don't get me wrong, it's great to be an expert, especially if you're niche down, you're, you're we're the go-to healthcare marketing or we're the go-to uh, Hispanic marketing, and that's perfect. The challenge that I'll stress with that though is things change. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this over the last two years, but there's been this pandemic and everything changed. And all of a sudden, even when you know your industry, suddenly you don't. You can either at that point go with your gut, which is what a lot of marketers do, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But what does always work is taking a moment to ask questions, to figure out the answers to those questions. And then you're not going with your gut. Then you say, oh, people want delivery because they don't want to leave their houses as much because they're a little bit worried. They're a lot worried about a pandemic. We have to switch our business model. Again, that's not going with your gut. It's you've asked the question. Maybe asking the question is uh, looking at data or just reading trends. But it's still a matter of going into your marketing decisions to form or informed, excuse me. And yeah, that's the power of asking questions. 
Yeah, and I, you know, that's, I don't know why people don't do it, quite frankly. And one uh, one last quick shout out, we stopped talking about them, but you can also ask questions of your customers through voxpopme.com, agile qualitative research with video, you know, send them a question, ask, um, ask, and they can answer on their own time with video, um, video responses. Everybody does that now. Now, in your book, you know, you talk about all the different questions people should ask. Now, the, the one thing that's mm -hmm. a little bit disappointing to me mad yeah honestly is oh why the why is so late like why maybe they're not even in in um importance order of importance but like mm -hmm. i always think why is like why are we doing this why 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 because depending on what the answer to that question is mm -hmm. the strategy is very different i'll give you an example i worked with a um, healthcare system before very a lot of digital stuff mm -hmm. but somebody the ceo <clears throat> Wanted the bill, wanted <laughs> billboards, so they put up one billboard right on the way on the guy's way home, and so that strategy is very different. If I understand the why, than if somebody says we want to reach people who drive to work on the on I five or whatever. So how yep. is, how which questions are more important? Where do we start? Oh, I'm I'm going to say they're all important. So I'll tell you first off. So the book is structured: who, what, when, where, why, and how, uh, as well as the bonus question: did it work? Um, that's in that order because honestly, that's how it was taught to me in English uh, a long time ago. And I should give a shout out to Mrs. Pope because I had some awesome English teachers back in the day. But uh, that's the structure for it. What I will say, who is intentionally the first chapter asking who, because at the end of the day, nothing we do matters if we don't know who we're talking to. And I'll even argue that's a little more even important than the why, because you might have the most important why possible, be that your culture, the reason you're doing something, or even just why you're doing the execution. But all of that centers around, well, who are you trying to reach? Um, now, that said, when I said all of them are important, so I love that this is a storytelling podcast because I love storytelling. And um, I mentioned, again, my English teachers, and I think anyone who's ever worked in PR and writing knows Simply put, you cannot tell a good story, meaning a complete story, without answering those questions. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. And that's really the point of structuring the book the way it is, is that we have to ask these questions because we got to think of our marketing as a story. And there's kind of two parts to that. The biggest part is you think about how, how does someone become your customer? And let's backtrack all the way to, let's say you're selling cheeseburgers. Well, have they ever heard of you before? Uh, do they know how to find you? Uh, once they've heard of you, cool, they've heard of you. Are they going to come into your store and try your cheeseburger? If not, how can you get them to come in? Why would they want to come in? And then when they're there, they enjoy the cheeseburger. They love it. And then afterwards, it's so good that they have to tell their friends and they want to come back. And if you think of all of that, I mean, that's incredibly rudimentary, but that's both marketing and it's also a story. It's up to us as marketers. We can't tell that story unless we can answer all of those questions. Yeah, it's true. And what's interesting about the cheeseburger example, quite frankly, I think it was the ad, contrar ad contrarian, Bob Hoffman, mm -hmm. who said, if you get off the interstate and you uh, there's McDonald's and there's a some hamburger joint that you've never heard of, where are you going to stop? Yep. And he says, I bet most of you will stop at the McDonald's, even even if the cheeseburger at the, the local joint is actually much better. But you don't know that. Yep. But you do know what you're going to get. At McDonald's because it's pretty much the same everywhere. Um, you, you can guess how long you're going to have to wait based on cars in line. 
Um, so it's very, it's actually very interesting how you do have to figure that out. And, and also the who, like if, you know, you have to figure out the who, some of the questions that I had with the why get answered, right? Because correct. lo and behold, if it's only the CEO that cares about this thing, you know, that gets answered in the who. And by the way, you have to have external audiences. Yep. Now you talk about the culture of curiosity. Yeah. And this is very interesting to me because, again, that kind of feeds into the whole thing of uh, can people even ask questions? Can people be open? Can people collaborate? Uh, I think there's some trust involved. But talk about what is that and, and how do companies instill that in their teams? Absolutely. So uh, first off, I'm glad the first thing you said is can they ask questions? Because, frankly, there's a freedom that a lot of businesses Employee, employees don't think their employer has. Um, and maybe people are seeing something wrong here. A great example, there may be the guy working on your trifold brochure that you mentioned in the beginning. And he's sitting there thinking, do we really need to be doing a trifold? But it wasn't he, him who made the, the decision. He wasn't the one talking to the client. And frankly, it's not. he doesn't have a culture where he's free to ask questions. And again, we've already talked about the power of asking questions. You know, When you can and you take the time to answer them, you know what you should be doing in your marketing and you know whether or not you should be doing a trifold brochure. So just being able to feel confident enough in your business and your skills, your employer to ask those questions, those organizations just in this model are going to perform better. But the biggest thing there is the culture. And actually it's funny that, so that's the final chapter of the book. And there's a reason it's the final chapter because we've talked throughout the entire book about how important this asking and answering questions concept is for what we do and now we need to go take it into our business. And I'm sure everyone who's read a business book ever in their life, especially a great one, they get to the end and they go, well, how the heck do we implement this? Uh, that, that would work there, but it's not going to work at my business. And they're thinking about whatever challenges or hurdles might be really present in their business. And those are really going to stand in the way of implementing this curiosity-focused marketing strategy. So it come, again, it comes down to culture. And what do I see in those kind of cultures? And I've had a chance to work with a lot of great ones that also really embrace the concept of asking questions. First and foremost, they they ask themselves that they're wrong a lot. And I, I love that. Uh, even if everyone comes to a consensus right away, there's almost always the the someone around the room who says, well, we came to that consensus pretty quick. Can someone play devil's advocate? And all of a sudden you start to poke holes, holes in your best idea. And we already know what happens when you do that. You make it better. So right there, you're seeing that consistently across these, what I call cultures of curiosity. The other one is they're always learning, not just uh, conducting research, even though they are a lot of them, if they're, if we're talking agencies, they're conducting annual studies because they want to know what's going on. But separately throughout the whole year, they're taking new classes in, in writing and strategy in digital tactics, because again, they are culturally curious. They want to know what's going on. And for anyone who's worked in our industry for more than a decade, you already know that what you're doing today is completely different than what you're going to be doing in 10 years. So it's behoove of you to stay up on that. And again, that's, I'll call that curiosity. Um, and the last piece again, is there's um, this innate, just curiosity in everything that organization does, be it just, can we do this better? Be This could be an execution or it could be, should we have a pool table in the front room? And we've all heard the joke that a lot of agencies and a lot of marketing teams have the pool table. And you'd think, well, why is that there? But you start to think, well, maybe they realized that they had a more productive meeting when they weren't stressed sitting in an office chair. And all that, it comes down to every single company's culture. But in this example, what I'm saying is 
they sat around and said, well, how could we improve on this specific thing that we do? This being how we brainstorm, how we communicate with each other. And that's how you get fun out of the box ideas, both how you do your business and how you help your clients. So what's interesting is you mentioned, can somebody play devil's advocate? With, and so I haven't actually done that exactly like that, but I like to celebrate the people who bring the the disadvantages of doing something to the table, right? And yeah. the voice, well, this and this and this. Now, there's a fine line because I've been on teams where, you know, a lot of something was evaluated and somebody wrote a lengthy, lengthy spreadsheet that was hard to read on any device to why mm -hmm. we shouldn't do it. You know, I'm like, just have a conversation about it. I mean, seriously. But what's interesting about that, I just thought of that is, it's it is a little bit adversarial, right? Because it's always like, why does it have to be one person? And even in what I was just mentioning, like it's one person, right? I'm celebrating that person for bringing up why it wouldn't work. And I, I wonder if you know, in that culture, we could even say, um, okay, we all in agreement, sounds good, but let's all now come up with reasons why we shouldn't do it. So now it's on everybody, and not just devil's advocate or Christoph or or whoever. Um, you know, so do you know the concept of the pre-mortem? Okay. Yeah. So post-mortem, obviously, you know, someone dies and then we see what happened after the fact pre-mortem, we're going to go and have a great marketing campaign. We're going to execute in two weeks before we hit the ground running. Let's just sit down now and assume it's three weeks from now and it failed. Why did it fail? And if you sit around in a brainstorm session with your, your team, you're going to come up with some ideas, clever ideas of why your campaign might fail. That's a pre-mortem. And this, this isn't meant to be negative. No one's trying to be, well, what if, you know, lightning strikes or something, but you might really think, well, what if no one comes to my, my grassroots event? And the reason they don't come is there's another event on the same day. And that might give you pause to go look at all the community calendars and see if there really is an event that you're competing with, because no one thought to ask that. Maybe, again, there is no other event. You're just hosting your event at an a obscure location and no one could find it because no one could find it. Could you solve that with maps? Could you solve that with a Google app? Uh, could you solve that with a million different ways? Literally, maps could solve things. That's actually a real case study. Uh, one of my favorites that colleges found when they were trying to get students to come to the health center to use the health center services, nothing increased frequency of attendance more than producing maps. So all of a sudden you see these kind of obvious solutions that you may not have thought of because everyone just came in and said, okay, the project's great. We're ready to run with it. And so again, let's take, take the time. Let's not put it on one person. Let's sit around and take the time to say, we're going to, the project failed. It's the future. The project failed. Why did it fail? And you imagine through those scenarios and you solve them, you solve them because most of those solutions we already talked about are pretty easy. And we all know some of the easiest solutions. Heck, we've all kicked ourselves for that one little easy solution we just didn't think to implement two weeks ago. This is that. This is the step where you take the time to answer that now. And of course, also keep in mind, some people uh, think about and evolve ideas differently, right? I, yep. for example, I just like, let's hop on a call. Let's, I mean, we're literally mad brainstorming here. You know, we're collaborating. Could you do this? Yeah. Could you do that? I mean, that's literally could be a meeting, right? We could be talking about how to build a new team or something. But um, some people don't like that. Some people want to go sleep on it. Now, I'm also a fan of sleeping on some things. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind, uh, that there's different personalities, there's different models. I think it was Adam. Uh, I don't remember his last name now. Adam 
from Adobe. Um, he wrote the book on emotions and, and creativity. And he talked about, you know, he said, he said basically what you should do is you should send people what you're going to talk about in a meeting so they can think about it before they get there. So it's not like they sit in the meeting and you go, hey, guys, I need some guys and gals. I need some ideas for, you know, to release this new pop can or whatever it might be. You know, you have yep. five minutes, right? Well, and especially you've nailed it. We've ha we've all been in that meeting where, hey, we need ideas and you got your five minutes and we do it. And then the next day you go, geez, I had that. I, now's, now I've got the idea. Too bad I'm not in that meeting right now. And you're right. We can prime people for that kind of stuff. It's funny. Early in my career, I figured out um, <clears throat> certain projects I we present and certain projects we send ahead of time and then have the meeting. And uh, it just it's a matter of, well, what do you want them to do? Well, officially, what do you want the other person to have prepared at that meeting? If you want them to come with ideas, get them prepared. If you want them to be a blank slate, be a blank slate. But know that ahead of time when you're planning your meeting. Well, and the other thing is, too, is why, I mean, how old school? Why is there an artificial wall or stop at the end of a meeting? Either have another meeting in a couple of days or move it to a Slack channel or something yep. like that, you know, and. I mean, if I have an idea tomorrow, why like why am I too late? It's not like that. We didn't publish a newspaper today. And plus, there's always another one tomorrow, right? I mean, it's no different in, in business. So let's talk about did it work? What I find interesting about that link, I'd like to understand the language there a little bit. So you talk yeah. about did it work? And and my first thought was, okay, I get it. Some campaigns are campaigns, right? Like you run a campaign, campaign is done, did the campaign work? But some things, especially for a lot of the people that listen to this show, it's their content campaigns, right? So like this is, we're at about 430 some episodes here. Mm -hmm. And I can't ask, did my live streaming strategy work? Is it working, right? Does it appear to be working? Yep. How is that, where's the difference and, and how do we apply, did it work versus is it working? So first off, I'm really, I'm super glad you mentioned that because that's the challenge. Marketing never ends. And you're talking content. I mean, content lives and exists forever. What you, you're always should be doing in marketing though, is checking, is it working? And you're correct. That is the, the right way as opposed to did it work. However, in marketing, there's also a lot of one-off campaigns as well. But again, I tend to think of marketing as that wheel of, we learned something, then we come up with an idea and then we implement it. And then we learn again if it worked. So you mentioned a piece of content and content lives on your website or again, it can live in a million places. And I agree with the, is it working concept, but let's look at the last year and you've got a, a business funnel. You've got people entering the funnel through their downloading white paper and you're nurturing that through email. And it takes about six months through email and eventually they pick up the phone and they call us. Well, did it work? Might ask the question of over the last year is six months industry average? Could we improve that? Uh, you might even look and notice that two of your pieces of 12 content in your email drip are drastically outperforming the others, which I would call in this situation, the other 10 could work better. And now you can look and say, okay, do we move that drip around? Do we move those two that are high converting to the top? Uh, what's working about them that we could theoretically apply to these others? But you're right. Is it working is the right way to think of it. But if we look at time in chunks, of just over the last six months, did it work? And within did it work, can it get better even if it did work? Then it's just applying that that thinking. You mentioned content. 
and I, I'm just picturing in my head again, 12 pieces of content. The point of point part one is to get you to part two to part three, part four. Mm-hmm. Do we need four parts or could we just get them in two? If we optimize that, no one's going to ask that question unless you're, you're making a point of, okay, quarterly, we're going to evaluate this or annually we're going to evaluate this. Um, but every one of those pieces can theoretically improve, be improved upon. You start your drip with 12 pieces of content. You work it down to eight over the next few years, or maybe your 12 becomes 24 because you figured out the content formula and your audience wants more content. All of that is the concept that what we started with probably isn't going to be the thing we're doing in two years. And that's the point. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Um, And the other thing I just thought about, I, so I've written about this a number of times. I'm a big, big fan, especially when it comes to content of the 30 day rolling, right? So Mm. I'm looking at the last 30 days because, so people always say, well, why is that? Why is content performance different from financial reporting? I'm like, well, because the dollar earned on the last day of the quarter has the same value as the dollar earned on the first day or the second Mm. or the third, or they're all the same value. But a piece of content published or updated on the last day of the quarter does not necessarily have the same value at that point in time as the content that's been published on the second day of the quarter, right? Because yep. it takes a while, whatever. And But again, did it work in the last 30 days, right? So there's always, I mean, there, it's still the past. It's not like right now. We're not in the present. It's so probably over. Yeah, I'm, you know, and I think what, what hit home when you said the moment in time or blocks of time or whatever you call it. So that's, um, I think that's the, the the trigger word for me to understand that. Awesome. All right. Yep. So tell me about the book. Why did we need it? What prompted you to write it? And um, certainly uh, I would recommend people read it because um, we don't Thank need you. any more meetings where people don't ask questions. So we might as well learn how to do it. But what prompted you to write it? Uh, three parts. Part one is I really love research. I mean, I know it's a geeky thing to say. I'm a numbers guy. I'm also a writing guy, but I, I love numbers. And that's always where I gravitated toward in marketing. But the interesting thing is I've I've been to data conferences. I'll give you a great example. I went to a data conference, had 10,000 attendees. Uh, they had a marketing meetup. So people who worked in data in marketing at this, and there were six people that showed up because that's how many people hmm. aligned there. And same thing, I've worked at the agency side and you go to meet other researchers and we're a small bunch And I started to look and say, well, this is kind of missing in the thinking. And that's what I've really built my whole career on. And this is just my way of communicating that. Um, The the second part um, is because I always wanted to write a book. That's genuinely just something that I've always wanted to achieve. Frankly, my mom's always encouraged me for writing. And that's why it's purple, because my mom's favorite color is purple. Um, And it's been a year and a half of or two years of let's make sure we're accomplishing all the stuff we want to do in life. Because, God, it's been a weird few years. Uh, And the third piece of that actually is. Also, because kind of from COVID, as I was starting my business, uh, a mentor of mine gave me a great opportunity to write. I was really getting into content marketing to build my business. He offered me a great opportunity to write what he said was a a five to 10,000 word article. And he says, just something that'll talk about your approach to research and we'll go from there. And this was March 10th of 2020. So three days later, the world shuts down. I'm in Las Vegas. So we, we closed up March 13th and we stayed in touch, but his business changed. And he even said, like, let's just put that project on hold. But I was already at 5,000 words, I think, at that point. I sat down that night and just started writing. And I said, okay, well, then let's just keep writing. And actually, someone even asked me, they said, well, well how many chapters are you uh, in? And I think I said I was at 20,000 words. And I hadn't even started dividing it into chapters. And it was right then that I said, okay, well, we're pretty far enough that let's just keep this going and make it a book. 
and it's been a nice passion project over the last year and a half that's separate from work. Uh, as again, I work on, you know, a lot of market research clients, market, a lot of strategy clients, and man, it's been a, a fun project. I'm, I'm outlining the second book because apparently I'm addicted. <laughs> well, it is, I don't know what, I don't know if it's addictive to write books, but I, you know, my fourth one published, uh, earlier this year. And, um, I don't know that I have another topic in mind, but the, the one that published in, in March, I didn't even decide to publish it until about January, you know, like really, but what I, I did everything, you know, I, I, I blog a lot and the show, of course. And then I just basically took the content from the blog and I rearranged it as chapters. Uh, yep. and I had enough stuff to make that topic word work with some, uh, you know, some some rearranging and some extra writing and those kind of things. Now, in the last couple of minutes here, though, uh, yeah. Matt, tell me how do people overcome the fear or the shyness or the personality or whatever, whatever excuse we want to use not to be doing this? Mm -hmm. What how do we overcome it? How do we move forward? Or is it ground up or top down, I guess? It depends on the organization, definitely, and where you are in the organization. Um, at both sides, though, what I always say is baby steps. You know, we've all kind of been in that that situation where someone says, "Okay, we're you know we're a white tie tie, or I'm sorry, we're a white shirt and blue tie shirt uh, business, and now we're going to be uh, funky pants and t-shirts kind of place, and we're going to do it overnight." And that's shocking. You got to start small. How, however, if you're at the top, the CEO, and you say, "We're we're all just going to take a class together and learn about digital marketing because we don't know enough about that." Or if you're the the uh, mid-level employee and you just want to try asking questions, well, try asking a basic question in a meeting and just float and see how your organization takes it. And then show results and see what, you know, if, if there's any pushback or anything, maybe you could start to show results. But it's always baby steps. Um, don't, nothing, nothing like this can change overnight at the big level. Uh, it needs to start small so it feels natural. It needs to start small. That's always an interesting balancing act, honestly, right? How do you move things forward? Yep. What's the right speed and, and and how does it work? Matt, it was great to have you on the show. Good luck with the book. Uh, thank you for joining me and thanks for Thank you for having me. Seriously, man, I appreciate it. You bet. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.